0: actually welcome to the buck stops here the official audio show of non hall of fame.com and i'm your host kirk buckner the buck the owner and the operator of non hall of and of course the sister sites the fictitious athlete hall of fame and the fictitious rock and roll hall of fame oh my god season one episode 48 look at this 48 episodes we haven't been canceled well i guess when you sort of produce your own content it's hard to get canceled or is it eh, i don't know Evan Nolan and I, we've got quite a bit to look at. We looked at the College Basketball Hall of Fame. They announced their latest class, and oh my god, the list of talent there is just incredible. We also looked at Andrew Bogut uh, the Australian Centre who just retired. Is he a Hall of Famer? Well, your first thought is, no, he's not. But maybe he is. There is certainly a way for international competitors like uh, Mr. Bogut to get in, and we look at that possibility. There was a couple of tragic passings in the world of sports and entertainment, as we looked at the passing of former decathlete gold medal, medalist, Raper Johnson, and his very interesting life, and that of Pat Patterson in the world wrestling entertainment world, uh, another very, very interesting man with a colorful history. Uh, and Then I got into a tangent about Sarah Fuller and Vanderbilt football. Got a little bit heated, Evan and I didn't g- agree on everything. Actually, I kind of like that, it made it a far more interesting show. And you'll also know where to send your hate mail. I provide exactly how you can do that. So without further ado, let's bring in the star of the show, Evan. Evan, how are things? They're not going too badly, sir. How are you? Not too bad, not too bad. Uh, Another uh, interesting day in a little Caribbean paradise. And when I say interesting day, really nothing happened. (laughs) Which is kind of nice. I got no problem with that. That's good. So yeah, I, uh,
1: I I actually this week um just as an update for anyone who wonders after my little soapbox rant last week. Uh, my uncle actually did pass away on um, Tuesday from COVID.
0: Um, I'm sorry to be Um that.
1: Yeah, and my my aunt is uh my aunt is still in the hospital. So uh he lived a good life the age to 90, but um and he, he they wanted to intubate him and he refused. Mm. At the end, so um he went out on his own terms, but yeah, he, he ended up, he did end up passing away, and COVID has been circling around and around. One of my best friends uh, lost his father-in-law the next day, and his mother-in-law is in the hospital. My wife's cousin's wife, mom, and dad are uh, both in the hospital with COVID. One of them has COVID and pneumonia at the same time, which seems like to be very, very bad. Um and uh, it's all over the place. So everybody, wear a mask and be safe. That's all I'm going to say. I already had my, my big rant last week. Uh,
0: so let's uh, dedicate the show to your uncle.
1: Ah, well, thank you. Uncle Uncle, uncle Bob's uh, uh, Robert Nolan out of uh, out of Shelton, Connecticut. So here's your Uncle Bob.
0: And Bob's your uncle, literally.
1: He, he was, yep. It's, that's the running joke and I, I was always like it's "Like, why did I say that and to a friend of mine who's British he says because everyone has named Uncle Bob I was like what oh wait no I do too <laughs> <laughs> nice
0: yeah. anyway so, so the col- one thing though that, that I guess sort of like came out this week because uh, it's sort of a light week although even when we say it's a light week we wind up talking for two hours the college yeah. basketball hall of fame put out their class and I know it's a relatively new haul, but holy crap, when you put out a list like this and then you look at their credentials, and the biggest name is actually your worst candidate in Paul Pierce, how loaded is this group of talent?
1: Yeah, I mean, Paul Pierce is, uh, as I've said many times, um, probably one of my five favorite athletes of my lifetime in Boston. Um, just the whole ride with him being young and then almost getting stabbed to death in a bar and then having to go through those terrible teams with Antoine Walker mm-hmm. and uh, then ending up with, with um, Allen and Garnett and winning the championship and should have won the one in 2010 as well. Um, that was, he was just, he's just one of my favorite athletes. And I, don't, I honestly didn't spend a lot of time looking at their actual college credentials um but he yeah he's probably the headliner in terms of everyone here except for the other guy who should have been one of the greatest Celtics of all time right Len Bias um who I know is a two time ACC player of the year uh was taken number two pick in the 1986 draft and
0: then um unfortunately that evening two days later he he passed away yeah passed away of cocaine usage Mm -hmm. um
1: apparently apparently from all indications was not much of a cocaine user and uh, overdid it on the partying and uh, did not go well so unfortunately uh, unfortunately Len Bias' death uh, ultimately led for the uh, Lakers to be able to catch up in championships I hate to say it like that but um, yeah he was he was, uh, he was one of the greatest Basketball players, largely forgotten these days
0: at how good he was. Mm -hmm. But, yeah, I'm not surprised to see him here. Just a supreme athlete from everything I've been reading. Uh, Just one of those raw players that a coach would just love to just sort of shape and mold. And what he could have done at the pro level. We'll we'll never know, especially for a team that loaded that got that lucky to have a number two pick. Mm Mm-hmm. But, yeah, yeah, so we have Len Biasa. Pierce, uh, he's the first-team All-American in 98. Right. He he was. But with a lot of these other players, they were, like, like, consistent players of the year. Uh, It's just crazy the amount of talent that existed in the the college ranks when I'm looking at at the rest of these guys. Uh, David Greenwood, UCLA, uh, two-time first-team All-American, two-time Pac-10 player of the year. Remember the championship 1990 mm-hmm. uh, Detroit Pistons. Mm-hmm. Uh, another relatively big name, in, uh, I think, uh, Hersey Hawkins, Bradley. I'm not positive, but I think he's got to be the only player from Bradley that ever won a version of the Player of the Year. I should have checked this out before, but just. Oh, like, yeah, he won the, sport, the Sporting News and the UPI Player of the Year. Mm-hmm. Uh, Two time so, uh, uh, Missouri Valley NAP. Conference. And an NBA All-Star. Mm-hmm.
1: And, uh, yeah, a national
0: scoring leader. He led the, mm-hmm. the NCAA in scoring in 1988. And I just love his name. Hersey Hawkins. So alliterative. It, it sounds like it should have been like in, like in something that uh, Stan Lee would have wrote
1: a uh, wrote. Great, yeah. Pretty good. Uh, then we have Jim Jackson.
0: Mm-hmm. With uh, the Ohio State.
1: The Ohio State, the uh, college player of the year for the UPI in 1992, two-time Big Ten Player of the Year, two-time consensus first-team All-American, um, two-time two-time Ohio
0: Mister Basketball, right, which is pretty impressive. no, absolutely, absolutely. So especially Ohio, the, certainly uh, winning that in some states are, is a bigger deal than others. But I, I think anytime you sort of you do you accomplish that, you're it, it's something special, and no one can take that away from you.
1: And of course, most importantly, involved in love triangle with uh, Jason Kidd and Tony Braxton. Um, <laughs> this I, is so true. I, I, I waited till we got all the other stuff out of the way, but I can't let Jim Jackson go down ever without bringing up that story from the what the ninety four ninety five season, I think, where the they they settled it by trading Jackson to New Jersey. Um, and let me—that trade, by the way, was Jackson, Sam Cassell. Eric Montrust, George McLeod, and Chris Gatling to the New Jersey Nets for Sean Bradley, Ed O'Bannon, Robert Pack, and Kalin Reeves.
0: Wow. Pound for pound. Isn't that the worst quartet?
1: Bradley, O'Bannon, Pack, and Reeves? Yeah. I mean, Bradley was... O'Bannon was pretty good. Well, he was a much better college basketball player and much more important because he's going to basically force the NCAA to, uh, or he has his, his lawsuit basically, forced the NCAA That's to um, uh, give likenesses to the players. We may actually end up playing NCAA basketball games again shortly. Uh, I still play, at, I think the last one, which was uh, NCAA 2K5. I still have on PlayStation 2 that i and like 37 seasons in. <laughs> one of them, where I started at... Uh, at uh, Campbell, the Campbell Camels. And I'm uh been do a whole bunch of places. I won championships at Washington State and uh, Arkansas and somewhere else So, at this point. But, yeah, that's how long it's been. It, the, the guy on the, on the cover of that is, um, oh, what's his name? From Stanford with the big, poofy hair.
0: Can't think of his name right now. Hmm. I can, I can see yeah, him, but it's, yeah, it's 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 the yeah, names. Yeah, never good
1: in the NBA, but anyway,
0: Shadowban's important for that.
1: Um, Very important. I, yeah, f- but, I forgot about that. Yeah, and
0: Sean Bradley is um, tall. <laughs> oh Jesus! All, all I know is this: when I watched Space Jam the first time with a couple of my friends, we're all we all had the same reaction. Like, okay, what? So like the cartoon monster sucked the talent of Sean Bradley. What talent? And Sean Bradley was tall. <laughs> and it seems like like a, just a great guy, but just like run one of those guys like all his life. Well, you should be playing basketball. Like, Okay.
1: Yeah, he averaged Sean Bradley. How many points a game do you think he averaged in his career? Uh, I'm going to guess five. Eight point one.
0: That's right, more. So he's better than I 8.1 thought. 8.1 points, 6.3 rebounds, and 2.5 blocks. That's, Impressive number of blocks. That, that, yeah, blocks. That, 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 that's a good number. But he could just stand there in front and just little bounce off his potato head. Yeah.
1: And then Anton Jamison.
0: Yes. Uh, I, I'll always remember Anton Jamison, not for necessarily what he did from college, but because he was a draft day trade. Uh, where they swapped picks, and uh, we got Vince Carter. I, I, I'm a Raptors fan, just for, for those wondering there. So, yeah, uh, ACC Player of the Year, uh, consensus National Player of the Year, twice an All Star, and a Sixth Man of the Year. Uh always that to me is, is in, one of the more interesting awards is a Sixth Man of the Year, but mm-hmm. that, that's another that's another show. And scored twenty
1: thousand points in the NBA. So.
0: Mm-hmm. So no, very um, yeah, very good, good player, career.
1: and a couple yeah, of coaches. Really, 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 yeah, I'm sorry. I was just going to say also, uh, uh, three time first time, three time first team, eight, all ACC, mm-hmm. which yes. is probably not something very many people are ever going to say again. No, stick around. If you make it all ACC team twice.
0: You are already to the NBA. So, 20 years from now, this cla- like the classes that. It- it just won't be the same. It can't be. Yeah. It's just no, but nobody's going to stick around, and well, a they don't have to, b uh, they may not even they may not even elect to go to college. There's just, there's different avenues, and if I was yep. an elite player at the high school level, I wouldn't go to college for that. No,
1: not not when there are other. Avenues available to you. They're gonna. The NBA is really gonna have to develop the G League or into something, um, so that there's a legitimate development system where they can keep people here. Otherwise, yeah, people making trips overseas, getting paid for a year and coming back, or then you just have to change the rule again.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, and uh, I guess a pair of coaches, uh, Rick Byrd. Uh, it was at Lincoln Memorial and Belmont, uh, mostly at Belmont where he was the NAIA coach of the year, 1995 retired with a pretty sweet record, 805 wins to 402 losses. That's pretty damn good. Not too many people have 800 wins. Uh, I got Tom and the last one, Tom Penders Tufts. I don't know where that is. From 71 to 74, Columbia, 74 to 78, Fordham, 78 to 86, Rhode Island, Eighty six, eighty eight, and where he really made his name, uh, Texas, from eighty eight to ninety eight, and the, later on George Washington, ninety eight to oh one, Houston, two, thousand four to ten, overall record, six forty nine and four thirty seven, and Atlantic ten Coach of the Year in nineteen eighty seven. Not a bad little resume.
1: I will not have you disparage the name of the Tufts Jumbos. First of all, wow, you have no idea. Tufts University is the closest college to my house. Uh, where okay. I grew up, so it's about four miles from my house, and it's in Medford, Massachusetts. It's uh, uh, it's kind of like a little Ivy, It's not quite an Ivy League school, but it's right up there in terms of small liberal arts schools. It's right there on Powderhouse Circle, in uh, in Som- Somerville slash Medford, Massachusetts. So uh, I've spent a lot of time at Tufts. So Tom Pender's made his name there first, my friend. Not that school in Austin, Texas or wherever that thing is.
0: All right. Secondly. Okay, well, all, all, okay, well, all fans of the Jumbo, send your hate mail to uh, Kirk.Buckner <laughs> at Not of dot com. <Knottenhalloffame.com>. Sorry.
1: <laughs> As a matter of fact, uh, the traffic light at, at College Ave oh. uh, is there now at the crosswalk because my ex-girlfriend was crossing the street and some guy just ran the stop sign and hit her. And she rolled up on the windshield, cut her eye, I- eyebrow and was otherwise okay. And they ended up putting in the traffic light. So there's your information you need to know about. That. Okay. Um, so <laughs> I stand uh, no, corrected. Tom Pendens is certainly a name who uh, is interested for this. Um, there's, I mean, the list of college coaches in here already, like just going back, I was like, Oh, that seems like fairly far down But the 2000, this was the whole fame started 2006 and they put in like, Fog Allen and Jim Beheim and Larry Brown, Jim Calhoun, Luke Carniceka, uh Denny Crum, John Chaney, Chuck Daly, like anyone you can basically think of, uh, Coach K, Bobby Knight, um, like all the way down that first year. So there are so many. That first class had a ton of players, contributors, and coaches because when they were starting in 2006, They've done a pretty good job since then. Since then, it's been like Guy Lewis, Norm Stewart, and Dr. Giselle, Jim Phelan, Nolan Richardson. So you're getting to the point now where, where uh, Rick Byrd and Tom Penders make some sense. So, um, yeah, because the uh, last time the coaches in 2019, Homer Drew, Olson and Rick Majeris. Wow. So, um, yeah. So it's, uh, it's, uh, it's a tough group to get in. And uh, it's good for both of them to be there. Rickford, particularly, having spent so much time at a smaller school like that, making the NCAA tournament eight times with Belmont—that's very impressive. Easy thing to because because you got you got one ticket. You don't win your you don't win your your you're tournament. You're not yeah. getting in, right?
0: No, it's, so it's it's, 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 cer- not it's certainly not, not easy. Like you can
1: have a bad season at Belmont, if, if you finish
0: second, you lose one tournament game, it's over. Mm-hmm. So. No, oh, absolutely. Uh, and, and, and even though sort of like before, I mean, just going back to that tournament, like we were just talking about how this is going to be diluted in the next 20, 30 years. One thing that will sort of remain eternal is that tournament.
1: Uh, yeah. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how they, I don't think they can imagine having, a, having another year without one. And I don't know if we're going to be out of the depths of, COVID at that point. So it's going to be interesting to see with a little bit more time
0: what they actually end up doing in mm-hmm. the NCAA tournament. Right. Well, I'm just happy sports is back. How old do I segue yeah. out well, of this? How do I
1: segue out of this? Not, 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 to, not to sound like a character from Avenue Q, but only for now. <laughs> but only for now. I mean, the, the, the NFL is having some serious problems with COVID right now. Mm-hmm. The fact that the Denver Broncos played last week without a quarterback on their roster, and they still played. Is
0: what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, well, for, for me as a Saints fan, lucky. Yeah, well, that that too. Uh,
1: although that quarterback who went went, went one for third or one for eleven with two interceptions and thirteen yards passing, mm-hmm. still would be the second best quarterback on the Bears. <laughs> um, but, and i'm not and i'm not sure he's not challenging for number one um so yeah i, I don't know exactly how long i'm going to be able to get this to work they may need some sort of playoff
0: bubble for the playoffs for the nfl i don't know how that's going to work well, future but future pro uh football hall of famer roger goodell says they're not looking at that
1: There's so many things in that sentence that made me sad out of my heart again. <laughs> um, uh, that was one of the most depressing sentences I've ever heard in my life. Uh, yeah, so I don't know exactly what's going to happen. I'm hoping that they figure this out, but uh, I mean, the NBA is starting, what, the 23rd of December now? Yes. Um, they're going without a bubble. It's just, it's just all going to be interesting to see what happens. By the way, random tangent. Please. Uh, but what did you what did you think of the John Wall for Westbrook trade five years ago? That would have been like an absolute insane blockbuster, and now all this kind of like, yeah, it was a trade for two guys who are more known for their contracts now, probably than their play.
0: Well, John Wall, I've been saying for years, is overrated. I, I he hasn't. He hasn't played 50 games in the season since 2017. Mm-hmm. So I thought he was overrated. Now he's injury prone. Uh, so now you've got Russell Westbrook, who just doesn't know how to win, and it's and just a great player. Who just needs he, this is not going to help him in, in Washington. I mean, it, it, he's going to go to the playoffs. I don't know how deep they're going to go. I'm, I can't wait to watch it play. I, I just I'm so excited about the NBA season coming back. I, I really am. Uh, basketball mm-hmm. is my second favorite sport to watch behind, uh, football. Sometimes, mm-hmm. sometimes it's number one, uh, except when the, except when the NHL is back, which may not happen. We don't even know what's going on there. Uh, yeah, playoff that, hockey. Love. Right. Speaking of
1: current, Hall of fame of Gary Bettman yeah. and the owner and the ownership structure of NHL seems almost perfectly happy just to not have a season.
0: They, well, I think you're right. I think they're perfectly happy with that. They, they totally are. <laughs> NHL constantly shoots themselves in the foot. It, w- every time they get momentum going, they had, and I think you and I have talked about this, when it came to the whole, every, with everything in the bubble, I think the NHL handled it better than everyone. W- would you agree on that? Yeah. No, yeah, they did a great job. Yeah. So, they've got, you know, there's some momentum going, so what do we do? Well, we're going to fuck it all up. That's what they do. Yeah.
1: yeah. This is insane. So, no, but going back to the NBA, I do have to say, I think that this puts, I think this probably puts Washington as no worse than the sixth seed in the East, mm-hmm. which before they were probably like the 10th uh, seed coming in. Um, but, I mean, that's, the East has gotten better, uh, but I still mean, that's still probably a matchup with either Boston or Philly in the first round. hmm I'm presuming, or, or Toronto. I'm presuming Milwaukee and Miami are going to be one, two. Boston, Philly, and uh, Boston, Philly, and Toronto, three through five. I'm not sure how much that's really going to help them. As a six, one well, I mean, I'm not even talking about Brooklyn. I haven't gotten to Brooklyn. Yeah. Who, if everybody's healthy, and Kyrie is already not talking to uh, the, the any of the uh, the reporters. I don't know if you saw that today.
0: No, no, It was, uh, I, 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 I was he put researching. out Okay, yeah, go press release rather than we talk to the reporters today. <laughs> okay. Well, Ky- Kyrie's an interesting character. Uh, he is indeed. Yeah. But I, I guess we're looking and at. And another interesting character. Yeah. Who retired this week is, is Andrew Bogut from the NBA. Oh, hey! yeah. Yes. Well, Transition. I like, well, I mean, I, I, I like the guy. I always liked him. Uh, never an all-star, but a former uh, third-team player, which is kind of interesting how you are you make the third team, which is pretty impressive. But you weren't an all-star that year. Yeah. Does Andrew Bogut back into the Hall of Fame through an inter- through international accomplishments?
1: I mean, Dino you know, Raja, as I was bringing up, is in the Hall of Fame.
0: Mm-hmm. So my answer is probably yes. Hmm. He could. He could. I mean, like, I... I, He did win the U18, which is... That's a a pretty impressive tournament. Mm Mm-hmm. Went to the semifinals of the Olympics on the last go. Uh, Wanted to stick around just a little longer, but... So his swan song would have been the 2020 Olympics. And that's kind of cool. That, like, he knows he's near the end. You know what, I'm I'm just going to like uh, keep all my options and just represent the country I love one more time.
1: Yeah. Here's a question for you. Sure.
0: Was he a good number one overall pick? I got to look at the draft that he had. Uh, considering that as a Raptors fan, we had Andrew Bar- or Andrea Bar- Bar- Bargnani as a number one pick, I have to say yes. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, the very next year, so... Yeah, so since 2000, our number one picks have been Kenyon Martin, Kwame Brown, Yaw, Hall of Famer Yao Ming, future Hall of Famer LeBron James, and I do not mean that in the same way we were talking about <laughs> Hall of Famer Rachel, yeah. Uh Probable future Hall of Famer Dwight Howard, I would say. I'd agree. Uh, Bogut, Bogut, Bargnani, and Odin. Uh, no, future not Hall of Famer, the first MVP not to make the Hall of Fame, Derek Rose. Yep. Uh, Blake Griffin God, this was the the injury section Derek Rose, Blake Griffin, John Wall Kyrie Irving Mm. Uh, Anthony Davis and probably the worst single worst number one overall pick at the time too, Anthony Bennett Uh, Andrew Wiggins, Carl Anthony Towns, Ben Simmons Markel Fultz, uh, DeAndre Ayton, Zion Williamson, and Anthony Edwards Goose! (laughs) <laughs> uh, so I'd say he's kind of like, he's kind of right in the middle there.
0: When you put that in perspective, you know I mean? yes. Ooh, okay, do you have the I Bogut's mean, draft? Let's get Bogut's draft here. Yeah. Oh,
1: I'm sorry. I'm just thinking about it. Like, who? out of that list I gave you, ahead of them are Yao, LeBron, Howard, mm-hmm. Rose, Griffin, Wall, although I don't know about Wall. I'll say Wall, yes. But Kyrie, Anthony Davis. Karl-Anthony Towns, Ben Simmons, Zion Williamson, right? So that's like 11, which puts him basically right in the middle, which is weird. I didn't think of it that way because when you think about it, because like you said, he at least made an all-NBA team. So the, as a matter of fact, he's the only person from that entire draft to make an all-NBA team. No, that can't be right.
0: No, no I back. No, no, because yeah, I got, I got no, yeah, I no, got. Th-
1: so, no, no, the number one pick-a-back draft should have been Chris Paul.
0: Right, yeah, because so, I've, got, I've got that in front of me now, so. My God, yeah. it, here's I, a I, name I, I haven't. Mis- I, I misread the color coding on what I was looking at, so. Oh, all, all good. Uh, here's a name that I just love for such a brief period of time. Andrew Bynum, drafted number 10 by the Lakers. Yeah, man, he was so good for oh, well, a, such a brief period of time. Another all former yeah, all at one point, player, all NBA. At one point they weren't Sorry, go ahead. No, that's it. I was just going to say another former All NBA player.
1: Yeah, at one point, who was this, who was it they wouldn't trade him for?
0: Ooh, like, I don't Bynum
1: remember. I remember who that, who that was a trade for. But if you yeah, but I don't know if you look at that draft again. Chris Paul, Deron Williams, Danny Granger clearly should have gone above him based on their career. Uh, so he's probably the fourth pick. I don't know. He, it's him, Bynum, David Lee.
0: Um, Felton didn't have a bad career.
1: Felton didn't have a bad career. Uh, Charlie Villanueva didn't, was an okay player for a while. Canning yeah, Fry still kicking around. Nate Robinson was, I, I call him a knockout, but that seems too on the nose. <laughs> um,
0: did you see that fight?
1: Uh, I did, I saw enough of that fight. I, I'm not a boxing person. Oh. I'm not a boxing or MMA person in general. But I did see that. I saw the, enough of the highlights of that I fight to know that um, the NBA
0: picked the wrong person to represent them in that uh, in that boxing ring. I forget who said this. Uh, it was another NBA player, a current NBA player, who said like, "Up, uh, well, he's gonna have to give back his slam dunk award now." <laughs> yeah, it's. Oh, uh, it, it, I've never seen anyone's head hit the at the canvas that hard. I, I was worried he was dead. Like I, I'm not yeah, kidding. Wasn't good. I I was that scared because the, just the way he sort of went down like that. It's it's. I'm just gonna use, borrow something from French. From from French, uh, you know how they got like those different accents, like yeah. over over letters. Okay, and there's one that sort of like looks like a hat. When Robinson went down, he yeah. looked like a hat falling down head first. It's like, oh, like, I thought yeah. like, again. I, I did. I was so happy that he actually got up. I I, I had uh, Ivan Drago, Apollo Creed vibes going on with that. Especially with looking at, at uh, Jake Paul. He's, he's, um, guy. the guy's, I don't even know who the hell he is. I only sort of know who he is. I, mean, I know he's a YouTube guy. That's, that's all I know. But, whatever.
1: Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, looking at this draft though, again, uh, definitely the pick of the second round are two of them. Monte Ellis was pick 40. And uh, Amir Johnson, pick 56. And mm-hmm. some pretty good players in the second round. Also, Marcin Gortat. So, And Vaughn Wafer. And
0: Ronnie Turiaff. I always liked Ronnie Turiaff. So. Did Brandon Bass... And, uh, wasn't he one of yours? Brandon Bass?
1: Yeah. Yeah, Brandon Bass. A lot of these guys are on our team. Brandon Bass. I was a Celtic... Uh, Marvin Williams was for a brief moment. Uh, Gerald Green won the slam dunk competition. That was the first time I ever told my buddy uh, to bet on a slam dunk competition because there's no chance Gerald Green's going to lose. He's like, you're kidding me. I'm like, no, just do it. And he put 150 bucks down, and Gerald Green ended up winning like over $1,000. Um, Nate
0: Robinson
1: Nate of course, was a Celtic. He's was a donkey who, with... Uh, with Big Baby, with Donkey and Trek, uh, Yeah, Brandon Bass. Uh, well, Ryan Gomes. I always liked Ryan Gomes when he was on our team. Oh, and uh, number zero, Orion Green uh, was also there. So, yeah, whatever. Enough on the 2005 draft. But uh, congratulations to Bogut on having a... Absolutely. Having a decent career and ultimately not being a terrible number one pick. He should have been, like, number four in that draft, maybe number five. Mm -hmm. And you got him number
0: one, that's not so bad. Yeah, actually, you you really put it in perspective when you just sort of, like, read the last 20. And and you're right, he's right in the middle.
1: Yeah, he's, like, right in the middle. Because he's, I mean, Greg Oden, I think, is Uh. tough because he got injured. Um, but a lot of those others, I mean, Anthony oh. Bennett was... I, I said that, that back
0: anything. then, what the hell are they picking him for? So you're going to have a guy already Literally. looks like Morgan Freeman over Durant? And you're surprised that he's aging fast? He's he's reverse yeah. Benjamin Button. What did they think was going to happen? <laughs> I, he was only 21. Oh my, okay. Uh, Times time, time three. For those listening... Please, right now, here's what I want you to do. Google Greg Oden, Ohio State, just so that you could see what he looked like when he played at Ohio State. And then tell yourself, he was bar- he, he just was barely old enough to drink. How the hell do you age like that? How? I, I, don't, I don't know. But then, again, apparently he's also blessed with, like, a third ape- third le- leg. So, there you go. <laughs> no, do you want to... I'm not yeah. touching that one. <laughs> well, no, you, I, I don't think either of us want to. Uh, well, I'll say this, when his dick pic... Le- oh, well, wow. wow. That's all right. When his dick pic leaked, he got an offer from Vivid Entertainment. That's actually true. Well, that's... um. Hey, you gotta got make money as you can so
1: um so I'm not sure how we're gonna transition the next thing but I, I know uh, we had a couple of we had a couple of people pass away this week one of whom you'd like that to was. say quite a bit about
0: yeah uh do you wanna start off with uh Rayford Johnson who is someone who yeah wore... we, we should probably we should probably start with Rayford Johnson yeah uh uh-huh. 1960 I believe was when he won his gold medal for the decathlon I I wasn't yeah, it's it, Go ahead. It's got to be the hardest. It's got to be the hardest single event in the Olympics, wouldn't you say? I, I would say so. When, when I was growing up, uh, the way was sort of explore, uh, that I was sort of like Todd, just as I was learning about sports, is that you win the decathlon, you're considered the greatest athlete that there is. And to put that in my historical perspective, that would have been when uh, Caitlin Jenner, uh, then Bruce Jenner. Uh, won the Olympics. That was one of the first athletes I was ever aware of as a little kid. Uh, mainly because... Uh, can I say he? Because because he, at the time it was he. Uh, he was always on the love boat or shows like that. He was just like everywhere. And it's like, hey, it's yeah. Bruce Jenner, the greatest athlete in the world. Okay. Uh, so that's how I always sort of saw that. Uh, Rafer Johnson, I wasn't familiar with until he became... The, uh, the man who lit the torch in the 1984 Olympics, and I remember watching that because uh, I would have been 12 at the time. So I, I remember a lot from watching those Olympics and you know, thinking, and I still think this now, uh, the greatest honor I think you can get as an athlete, an Olympic athlete especially, is if your country is hosting the Olympics and they pick you to light the torch. What, I, I don't know a bigger honor than that.
1: Yeah, I mean, and where River Johnson came from too. So he was born. He passed away in eighty six. He was born in the thirties. He grew up uh, originally in Texas, in all the very segregated part of uh, of Texas. Um, he moved to California with, or his family moved to California. At one point, they're living in a box car with, like, dividers of curt- curtains dividing the rooms out, sort of. Uh, and he still was an incredible athlete and ended up getting all sorts of scholarships, even not living in those conditions. Got a full ride for football to UCLA mm-hmm. and turned it down to his folks on decathlon. Um, and in 1960, that, that event there, he and another guy named C.K. Yang of Taiwan were the top two competitors and they'd gone back and forth through the whole thing. The last event was Johnson's worst, which is the uh, fifteen hundred meters, which mm-hmm. is absolutely nuts. They, they, you have to do the whole thing, and at the end, you're running this fifteen hundred meters, and it took off at nine fifteen p.m. So they'd done the other nine events during the day, and then it would run fifteen hundred meters at nine fifteen p.m. Uh,
0: so
1: and but Johnson but before did before you, before you go well on
0: though, okay. A uh, question here for you. So, like, they did it all in one day? They didn't do it over two days? Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. Okay. I always thought it was over two days, yeah. but I guess back then it wasn't.
1: I don't believe it was over two days. I think oh, it was wow. one. Because otherwise, why, you, why are you running at 9.15 p.m. if that's not the
0: case? Mm. You know who I wish was so, to, like, to, what, part of this right now? Uh, someone who you and I have been beca- get, getting getting to know uh, who's been uh, a guest on my sh- on my regular show, uh, Chris Huffins, who uh, won the bronze in the 2000. And his story was, he was actually leading everything up until the 1500, but that's not, that was his weakest event by quite a bit. So for him to actually hang on and still medal was like a major triumph. And, and just sort of like the whole story of what the decathlon is. And just even when I asked him, I said like, like, it doesn't take anyone who... I don't have to study, like, uh, kinesiology. I'm, I'm saying that, butchering that word up. But uh, kinesia, kinesiology? Uh, do I have that right? That's right, yeah. Right, you're it. saying that right. All right. Uh, it's my Canadian accent, eh? But you don't have to... I don't need to sort of, like, study that to know that the people who, are, who excel at the 100 are built nothing like the people who excel at the 1500. It's nothing close. Correct.
1: Yeah, that, that, those are two completely different sets. I'm, I'm, I'm not even going to say I'm a good or never was a particularly good long distance runner, but I can run for a long time. I cannot sprint. Mm. Like it's just, it's just a completely different set of stuff for me. And it's, they, you're looking at the, I mean, just look at the bodies of someone like Usain Bolt or Michael Johnson versus any of the people who are doing really well for like the any of the Ethiopian or Kenyan mm-hmm. guys running marathons.
0: Yeah, it's it's like not it's, even close. It's just not the same. Yeah, and it's and it's not one's better than the other. It's just it's a different set of muscle skills.
1: Yeah. So two two other things I want to say about Rayford Johnson. Yeah. Other than that, well, first his his brother Jimmy Johnson. Yes, uh, was defensive back for the San Francisco 49ers and is in the Hall of Fame. Mm-hmm. So he was the first Jimmy Johnson in the Hall of Fame. Uh, but secondly, one his big footnote in American non sports footnote in American history. Do you know what that is? No. In nineteen sixty-eight, he was working on the campaign for Robert Kennedy. When Kennedy was shot in Los Angeles, he was one of the two people who tackled Sir Hanser Hand. Oh my God. Yeah.
0: Wow. Who's still think alive, I think. He was thirty three at that point. Oh my god.
1: In 1968, he was 33 years old, or 32 or 33. I'm not sure. I didn't check what his birthday was. He was either 32 or 33 when RFK was shot. He was walking with RFK at the time and was actually one of the two people who tackled RFK's assassin.
0: No, I'm just a, a hero on every front. Uh, yeah. RAP for Johnson, just legend.
1: Yeah, and, and like I said, he, he, it did not register like it should have on the national news. I mean, when, when, when ESPN did their Sports Century thing in 2000, Rayford Johnson was number 53 on their list. Mm. Like, the 53rd greatest athlete of the 20th century. He's right ahead of Greg Wiganis, Mario Lemieux, Pete Rose, Willie Shoemaker, Elgin Baylor, right behind Jack Dempsey, Rocky Marciano. Like, mm. we're talking one of the greatest athletes ever, one of the most interesting and important people probably to transcend sports. He was an he also acted too. He starred in several Hollywood pictures as well. I mean, just an all-around American legend.
0: You know, I've, and it I'm, just
1: I'm, it, I'm, it barely caused a ripple when he passed.
0: I'm I'm starting to think that someone should create a Hall of Fame for American athletes and just really discuss this more. Someone should do that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Don't don't, don't give anyone any ideas. Okay. All right. So um, yeah. So, anyway, yes. Um, uh, just uh, an incredible guy, and uh, again, did not get to do he should have when he when he passed this week. Mm-hmm. But there's very there there are very few people ever like Rayford Johnson in uh, American sports history. Wow. So. I certainly and, and just before, by, by the way, before we get to the other one, I do want to point out we did have another few guys who passed away, oh, and yeah, just please. like three I want to talk about yeah, quick, go ahead. before we get to Pat Patterson. Another athlete uh, who won the bronze medal long jump in the 1972 Olympics and the gold medal in 76 for the U.S., Arnie Robertson, passed away at the age of 72. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't have a reason as to why he passed away. He passed away the same day as Rayford Johnson. Uh, but like I said, uh, won the bronze and the gold in long jump which is one of the uh, one of these signature events and in, in track and field um, we had uh, Kevin Burnham who was a two-time Olympic medalist in sailing the United States he was only 63 when he passed away of a, of a heart attack um, but he competed in the Olympic trials in 92 96 and 4 won the gold in, uh, in Athens and the silver in Barcelona. 12 years apart. Um, or so night silver, 92 in Barcelona gold in 2004 in Athens and sailing. Uh, he passed away at 63. Uh, and a couple of, uh, a couple of actors that it's quickly wanted to bring up. Uh, one, of course, uh, one of playing the elder version of one of our, uh, perpetual nominees for the, uh, for the fictitious athlete hall of fame, David Prouse. Yes. Uh, who, who uh, passed away. I'm hoping I'm not ruining anything that uh, Anakin Skywalker does go out to be Darth Vader. If what? I've ruined that for you, I apologize. Spoiler alert. Uh, but David Prowse passed away at age 85 this week. Um, just, I mean, uh, he's remember the Lord of the British Empire, and just a guy who has a whole bunch of, I mean, everything. He was everything not only from stores where he was in casino, the original Casino Royale he was in Clockwork Orange uh, I mean just, he's, he's, in a, he's in a whole bunch of different things and, uh, yeah just a part of both of our childhoods passed away yeah. you have anything to say about David Prowse?
0: yeah uh, check on YouTube you can sort of see uh, clips of his actual voice playing Darth Vader it's not good. Okay. It's 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 probably not how I, I should not the right time to mention what we just did a eulogy of, about him, but uh, I do find it interesting that he actually was told, or so he so he claims, that he was that it was going to be his voice used, and then when you hear it, it's it doesn't quite work.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. They 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 made the right.
0: The, they made the right oh, voice, kind of the choice for uh, uh, absolutely right yeah but um, yeah he, he definitely he definitely deserves some work for or sort of some, some credit because he did fine work in, in in the costume people don't they don't get enough credit for that so yeah it, it was uh I, sp- I spent a bit of time looking at some of the documentaries about him where he's he's feeling a very he felt sort of turned uh, turned away from the Star Wars universe. But, yeah. Uh, yeah, it, it, it is a blow to my childhood for sure.
1: Uh, and, and just one other quick one. Um, a man from... Uh, who Most likely, we talk about Cannonball Run on this movie, on this show really often, but... Uh, Someone from Cannonball but, Run uh, died? Warren Berlinger... I'm sorry?
0: Someone from that movie died?
1: Yeah, Warren Berlinger played Shaky Finch. Oh. Uh, from... Uh, From uh, Cannonball Run passed away uh, at the age of uh, 83 earlier this week. So, yeah, he uh, he passed away from uh, at the uh, actually I don't actually see how why he passed away up, but he uh, he was shaky in uh, in Cannonball Run. By the way, the Cannonball Run record was broken three times this year.
0: I think he said that on a previous show.
1: Yeah, it, it it fell it fell three times this year because there was nobody on the roads. So they figured it was a good time to try racing across the country. So an, an, anyway, so that was that was everybody worthwhile. And the and the beige mistress was quiet this week. So after being very very active last week, she took the week off.
0: On a somewhat related so. thing, I was just doing the math quickly in my head. So he would have been younger than me when he shot Cannonball Run, and I look way better.
1: <laughs> well, we all do, like. <laughs> I mean, we all like we just aren't constantly surrounded by cigarette smoke. I seriously think that's what it is. Like, if you ever, I've had I've had one tweet ever that I've done that made a listicle that somebody posted, and it was like how people age now versus then, and it was I have a picture from the Dirty Dozen, which is one of my favorite films. But I have a picture from the Dirty Dozen of of Lee Marvin and um, Charles Bronson in the German house that they have to destroy, who are at the time 43 and 41. And they just look like they're in their
0: 60s. What, Lee Marvin was only 43 then? I believe so. Yeah, hold on. Lee Marvin.
1: Let me double check. Uh, I'm sorry. He was forty. He was forty-four when it was filming. Oh, okay. Is that all? Yeah, he was. He was forty-four at the time, and Charles Bronson, because that came out in the early sixty-seven.
0: Whoa, whoa, whoa! But then, then, how do you explain? Oh,
1: so, sorry, sorry. They were forty-four and forty-five. How, sorry, I take that back. How Pretty do you explain
0: chill. Greg Oden?
1: Greg Oden was born you has been reverse Benjamin Button we've already been through this
0: uh, okay sorry so well uh, anyway so, sorry, so let's talk, let's talk about uh, yeah Pat Patterson Pat Patterson, uh, Pat Patterson uh, you're familiar with him uh, I, I know you're not a wrestling guy like me but only only someone is the answer that okay so he's a WWE Hall of Famer, inducted in 1996, uh, when they had their first group of classes. Uh, Patterson, there's a lot of footnotes to him. From Quebec, made just fell in love with wrestling, became a pro wrestler as a teenager, and then in his early 20s learned English, because he, he didn't speak English, but became a regional star. And back then, like because uh, he debuted in 1958... So you'd go from, like, one area to another area to another area. Uh, There wasn't really a lot of national television. So it wasn't until the late 60s, early 70s that he really became sort of an on-top guy in San Francisco. But what everyone sort of knows him for is when he got into the WWE, which was then the WWF in the late 70s, became the first ever Intercontinental Champion. So like, you know, that belt, your, your friend, Kofi Kingston's held that many times. Yep. All right. So when Pat won it, he won it in a turn. And this is the perfect, perfect thing about wrestling. He won it in a tournament where he was already a, the WWF, uh, WWF North American champion, and then w- merged it with the South American championship in a, in a fictitious tournament in Rio de Janeiro. Never happened. Cause that's wrestling. And then now he's the intercontinental champion. It's, it's one of the reasons right. I just love pro wrestling, but he was, he was already in his forties. He stuck around there for a bit, but then he stayed with the WWWF, which became the WWF became WWE as Vince McMahon's right hand man. And for me, what his real strength was, and I think everyone would sort of agree with that. He could out he he could lay down a match. Whether it was Bret Hart, Shawn Michaels, The Rock, Steve Austin, they all said that nobody could lay a match lay out a match better than he could, and that was that was what he was mostly known for. That was his biggest strength ever, and for him to last as long as he did, although he wasn't really under employment at the end, I, I learned that. He was also suffering from dementia, which, as you and I have talked about, that's sort of near and dear to my heart with what my mom was going through. Yeah. I'm not going to go all weepy here on this, but when he did pass, so at age 79, uh, it's believed that he probably had cancer. He died of liver failure, but there was a tumor that they were looking at, and just the way things were, was he degraded pretty quickly. He was actually... The, the last thing that people, that's where I, where I learned that he had dementia, was that he was at, uh, actually, the Rock's dad's funeral, which was, I think, less than a year ago, and he was acting very erratically, like, doing things that made no sense, and as it turned out, that's what he had, or that's what, so that, that, that he did have dementia, because he used to team with Rocky's dad, and actually, it was him who uh, told Vince, hire the Rock. That it, it was a good uh, financial decision. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Uh, other interesting things. So, like, when The Rock played, uh, I don't know the character because I, I never saw the movie, uh, Get Shorty, or was it, or maybe might have been the sequel Rock, that Rock, okay. Rock was in. Uh, so he was, I don't know if he was still wrestling then, uh, but The Rock's character was gay, and he said that you know, in preparation for him, it didn't bother him playing a gay character because one of the people who he admired the most was Pat Patterson, who was gay. Uh, mm-hmm. whether he was the first openly gay wrestler or not I mean like that's claimed that he is that's probably not the case because like back then like I guess like there still is now there's all the open secrets, right? right yeah, yeah, so but Pat was pretty much everyone everyone in the know knew that. And I'm just going to, like, tell a story from my late friend, Chavo Guerrero Sr. in a book that may never get told or sent out, because uh, I wrote, and I think I told you this, his autobiography.
1: I didn't, yeah. I don't think you've told anyone, but I you have told me that. But I don't know if you've mentioned on the uh, podcast
0: before. Okay, yeah. So uh, I look back at what uh, Chavo sort of ha- had me talk about, because he wrestled Pat Patterson, in Los Angeles in 1975 to, or 76. At the time, Chavo was this, this young guy, 25, just and he was billed as the champion there. Pat would have been 10, 15 years older than him and, and one of the top guys in San Francisco. So he came to wrestle in LA in a series of matches against Chavo. And Chavo said how Pat taught him so much psychology, so much so that he was fooled in the ring himself. So they would lock up and then Pat pulled back each time, just saying, "Oh, this guy smells." And he was working the crowd. And then Chavo, he had—he was still relatively green, even though he came from a wrestling family. So, like, he knew all the basics okay. of what to do in the ring, but not necessarily how to play to the crowd. And then Chavo, Chavo was a, God. He was such a hothead. Love the guy. Uh, so he said, he said to me, "It's so like, what's this asshole doing? I don't stink." But it was sort of like playing that. And it was just like all all the little psychology things that he learned from Pat Patterson. Patterson also, too, created my favorite match of all time. Uh, You know what the Royal Rumble is, right? Yeah, of course. Yeah, that that came from him. That was his idea. So he basically made the WWE a lot of money. (laughs) Yeah, he made them a lot of money. Uh, This was one guy who Vince was always loyal to. And... For me, the fact that he was an openly gay wrestler and came out very early is one of the least interesting things about him. It's actually more interesting to me that here you have a guy who's openly gay and a lot of the wrestlers didn't give a shit. Mm-hmm. And yet we can't have an openly gay football player.
1: Well, I mean, that was a big thing with... Um, with uh, What's his name? Sam. I think I think yeah, Michael Sam. Right now. Yeah. Michael Sam, thank you. I had P.K. Sam in my head, knew that was
0: wrong. You're uh, thinking of Michael P.K. Subban. That was the biggest
1: thing, because he, he was openly gay when well, he came out team. into the draft.
0: Yeah, and, yeah. I, I And that probably cost him a few rounds, possibly. I mean, he was the defensive player of the conference, if I remember correctly. I believe so. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, things didn't work out for him. I would like to think that he's laid the groundwork for the next openly gay person to sort of do that. I would think. Mm-hmm. But this actually is a great segue into something else. I've got a rant.
1: Okay. So this, yeah, this is more on the Michael Sam side of things. But yes, go ahead.
0: Well, sort of, uh, yeah. Cause I mean, Michael Sam, uh, opened up to his teammates. So his teammates all knew, you know, in, in his senior year and, you know, nobody cared, and but the media, right? The media wouldn't let shit go. And going back to Sam, when he was, the Rams drafted him, I believe, and it just got hammered and hammered, every media person. So what's it like having a gay teammate? And people just got tired. Because uh-huh. I think in football, more than any other team sport combined, distractions will kill you, which includes basketball yeah. because it, it's –
1: which, which, sorry, a complete random side thing, which is why I think this Pittsburgh Steelers are not, even though they're 11-0, are not going to win the championship. Other than the fact, there's also the Chiefs in the league mm-hmm. because they're so, just so whiny about all the schedule changes that have happened around them. They're so distracted from, on like, these stupid things they can't control that I think it, it's the history. It's really the history of the Steelers. They will have these great teams who get caught up in other stuff mm-hmm. and end up falling on their faces. And it, it, they're on a perfect track for that again, just out, oh, of, for sure. out of
0: nowhere. So For sure. It's also the worst thing, too. I mean, the best thing that ever happened to the Chicago Bears in 1985 was losing to Miami.
1: Yeah, probably true. Yeah.
0: But, you know, it got, it got to the point where the Ram players didn't want to hear about it. They were sick of it. I don't think they had a problem with Microsoft. I never heard or never read anything about that. But we have a similar situation that happened last week. And uh, we were supposed to record Thursday night. It got pushed to Friday night. I'm actually kind of – and that was my fault because I suck and I fell asleep. But uh, yeah. You'd have to to admit that on on the show. I'm an open book for the whole world to see. No? Okay. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> right now we had something very interesting with a lady named Sarah Fuller who... <laughs> did you see the kick? I did. Okay. Uh, before we go into the kick, I just want to make it very, very clear. Sarah Fuller, from what I can tell, was... Uh, this is, I, I, at first, I thought... I didn't think much about it on Saturday. Because like, the one great thing I love about college football for me and college basketball, and for that matter, EPL, I got no team. I just sit back, watch, enjoy my day, and I just want to be entertained. So, since Vanderbilt sucks, I wasn't watching Vanderbilt. I didn't even know that they had a, that they, they had a girl kicker. Didn't pay attention. Why would I? Vanderbilt versus Missouri... Both losing teams, uh, pass. Not interested. So after she she kicked or played uh, in that one play, so then you see a bit of news highlights, uh, a bit of this, bit of that, and how she made history as the first player from the Power Five. And I, again, I didn't care because we've seen women in college football before. I mean, I have. I'm sure you have. <laughs> So it, it didn't seem yeah. to me like this was much of a. It was really that big a deal, and again, Vanderbilt sucks. They were zero seven before they're zero and eight. So, yeah, you played for a team in the Power Conference, but you played for the Power Five. Uh, again, I, I, I didn't I didn't think much about it until it just sort of like was everywhere and everywhere and everywhere, and I thought like, holy shit, do do people not know this has already happened? Multiple times that there have been women who have played in college football in a kicking role. Uh, there are piles of women who, who play uh, in high school football. Mm-hmm. Not a lot, but you know we're we're talking at least uh, from what I read, at least in the five digits, or sorry, no five digits in Pop Warner uh, high school. That, that's not the case, but still, like it's not a novelty to me. And yet, this was the biggest thing ever. Hillary Clinton retweeted this. Like, what a great, great step this is. Like, okay. So first I thought, is this just some kind of stunt? It doesn't seem to be. Uh, Vanderbilt has had no kicker. I don't know why the punter didn't do it, but whatever. Whatever. And so my first thought was, a little well,
1: Vanderbilt didn't, Vanderbilt. didn't have a kicker through a combination of COVID and injuries.
0: Well, right, but I mean, I, I mean, why did the put? They still had a punter. True. Who who could have possibly stepped in? So I don't know why he didn't. Doesn't matter. Uh, and they don't have a men's soccer team, which surprised me. I would have thought that a bigger school like that would have a men's soccer team, and they don't. So. Kudos to her for they asked her to do it, and, they, and she didn't go to them. They came to her. Mm-hmm. She went there, and she had, had this great attitude. Okay, I'm going to do this. So we all saw the kick. Well, I'm assuming that people listening may have, if you haven't uh, YouTube that. It was Vanderbilt again. Just how badly they are. So she's going to be the only kicker on the team at that for that game against Missouri. The only time opportunity she had to kick was the second half kickoff. It didn't come close to there was no extra point. There was no touchdown. There was no field goal. There was no nothing. It was that kick, which was a squib kick, that was recovered on the 35. So she only kicked it with 30 yards. Did okay. I mean, like, a lot of people are saying, well, this was a shit kick. I don't think it was a shit kick so much as you've got someone who's never done this before. Let's see what you can do. So we're going to practice this. And she did it. Am I, am I safe in saying that? Yeah, I'd say that first
1: one was just like, let's get, let's like allow her to do it. Let's not do anything. Give her a shot at a game and go from there. So I agree with you. It was a squib kick. It was an intentional squid kick. Yes, it was. It wasn't a she. She shanked it, and it ended up being a squid
0: kick. Right. That was a design call by the by the. Uh, By the coaches, right, and and so for the people who are saying that she shanked it on purpose, or not purpose, that she shanked it because she didn't have the skill—that's not true. Uh, For those who say, "Well, it it was a bad kick for a girl," yeah, but what is she going to do? Right, I mean, like this is the this is what they they did with the card that they were dealt. Because if you look at the way right. they were running and the way she was kicking it, she kicked it where she wanted it to. And again, was it a great squib kick? No. It was good enough. It right. was good enough, and then the special teams coach was rightfully happy. Uh, now, here's where everything goes to shit. The media runs with this, runs with this, runs with us. Again, like it never happened before. And, okay, so you're a father. So I want your opinion on this more. Because, like, I... I the, I have a dog and a turtle, and my turtle's turning one, and he's gonna have a birthday party because I'm a geek and I don't give a shit. But it's not the same as okay. having a kid, obviously. So, right. Right. It's Sarah Fuller, I mean, before I go any further, because I've got a lot more to say on this, uh, what was your reaction seeing that as someone's got a daughter?
1: Was my reaction to seeing... My reaction to what? Seeing her kick? Or my reaction to everyone else's reaction? of seeing her kick? Let's say both. So my reaction to see her kick is she... I mean, I've seen... Before she kicked, I saw her soccer highlights. I mean, she could kick a soccer ball like 60, 70 yards in the air. Which is why... she clearly knows how to kick. Oh, for sure. Which is why they grabbed her in the first place, Mm -hmm. right? Yep. Um, Absolutely. So... So the actual kick itself, I mean, she had one shot at it. There's, there's, you can't say much because she never. Her team's so bad, she never got another chance to kick it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but she was called to do something. She came out and did it, not greatly, but she's a college kid doing her first squid yeah, kick. Like, she did good enough. Come on. Yeah. She 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 accomplished what she's out there to do. Yeah. Right. As for the reaction of people to this, uh on your one hand, you're right that this, this has been done. There, she's not the first woman. It's been done by a particular kicker all over the place. But just the weird misogyny of it um, that goes all over the internet with the usual suspects. i don't getting involved in the name, name them, but we all know. Who yeah, they I know. I already
0: know who the you're football, talking
1: about. The football misogynists are out there right. with national po- national reach. Mm-hmm. That, uh, that this is somehow. Vanderbilt trying to be too woke and the fact they're woke is why they're 0 and 7 or 0 and 8 um, well, or I, I, or it's like just somehow somehow this and Harry Styles are showing that <laughs> we're becoming too feminized like I don't. Yeah,
0: another thing I could care it, less it, about
1: it, it, it's, it's exhausting and dumb right
0: so that's my I, no and I, and I agree with you and I think going to that thing because my that was the, the first reactions that I was seeing like okay well they're, they're trying to like uh make a statement and, all, and go all woke and then like, okay, then you re, then you learn more. Cause that, that's the thing. If there's a topic that I'm super interested in, I'm going to learn as many angles as I can. All right. Uh, and, and I'll call that my Covington kid rule. And I think we all remember the Covington kid. Uh, Cause the first time, like, I don't know about you, but I'm, maybe in, apologies if we've talked about this before. But the first time I saw that clip on YouTube, where it was just him sort of like with that goofy smirk in front of the first nations gentleman. I don't know about you. I wanted to punch the kid Mm-mm. and then more information comes out. And then it turns out that the elder approached him and he was in sort of like this clustered position I'm like crap, that could have been me as a 17 year old. I wouldn't have been wearing that dumb hat, but it, it, it did teach me. Whenever there's something that gets me hot, wait 24 hours,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and that's kind of what I did here. So, and like, you, and I agree with what you said. There was a lot of a lot of misogynistic comments towards that, and not really looking at the kick itself and what it was. Moving on, two days later, the coach is fired, and the first black coach mm-hmm. at Vanderbilt. But I think you and I can both agree, when you have a record like he had, which was, I think, a winning percentage of under 400, you're going to get fired. And you're coming yep. off a 41 nothing loss. That's it. You're done. It's time to go. And then learning about more of like what they had had, had available, other than the potential thing with a punter, and again, I don't know, what else is he supposed to do? And that's uh, Derek Mason, not the former wide receiver, but the coach, now former coach of Vanderbilt. My issue then becomes with media then just making this so big because they want something so bad. And maybe in part of that is correct. I mean, you, you talked about Wilk media. They did try way too hard on something that should not have been as big as it was. In my opinion, agreed. But I think we've
1: had we've sort of had a discussion like this before. In that, um, like when we were talking about Charlie Pride uh, a few weeks ago, being yeah. getting the Lifetime Achievement Award from the um, from country, the Country Music uh, <laughs> Awards, yeah. right? Right. Uh, like it, when you bring up Charlie Pride's race, not because it matters. Necessarily, because Charlie Pride is, but Charlie Pride stands out as being, I mean, one of three really ever African American uh, country artists who have made it, and definitely with all with the hall apologies to Darius Rucker, the most successful of them, and because of that, he sticks out, and a bigger deal gets made of his race in that mm-hmm. he's in a. He's in a genre of music which is not usually particularly, I don't know whether it's friendly or, or friendly may not be the right word. But uh, it's not something that a lot of African-American people gravitate towards. I can say that, right? And because right. of that reason, it becomes a big deal when he wins that uh, award, not just because he deserved it. They, like Charlie Pride winning that award. is by no means pandering. Like the dude deserves that sure. award.
0: But, there, uh, but but there because was he's African American
1: and gets that award, it becomes a bigger deal. Yeah, but in pa- football, which is this much, she's most smart, at least allegedly. Having a woman in a major college thing, even if it's not the first time ever, it's a bit of an oddity, and people are going to always stare at an oddity. It's like mm-hmm. the that stupid monolith that showed up in Utah and then disappeared in the middle of the night. The reason that those four guys took it down, other than maybe the ones who came up with in the first place, is that they didn't, it, they didn't want people sh- coming to that oddity because the uh, land around it wasn't set up in a situation in which there are places for people to park, or it was basically going to screw up the entire ecosystem, having people coming to stare at a monolith in the middle of nowhere. Mm-hmm. And that's essentially what the media was doing with this.
0: Uh, yes, but... And I'm glad you brought up the word pandering because that did happen. The Southeast, uh, the SEC, Southeastern Football Conference, named Sarah Fuller the special teams player of the week. Okay, well, that's pandering. That was disgusting. The question is, what happens if they didn't? Nothing! Nothing would have happened. don't think
1: the SEC gets accused of being a... uh, uh, A uh, old boys network. I mean, it's the SEC. It's not the Big Ten. Well, which is exactly why they probably felt they had to do it. That's what I'm saying. That's why they had to do it. They did not not have to. They're in a no win
0: situation. No, no. There, there is a win situation. Don't name her the special teams player of the week when she was actually, literally, the worst special teams kicker of the week from that conference. And it's not even close. Mm. Don't pander celebrate what she did, which is great. Do not sort of like give her a participation trophy that she didn't earn. That's not a quality. Fair enough. No, fair enough. I got that. Yep. I'm just saying, I feel like they probably felt they were painted into a corner. Yeah. And don't, well, I I, I agree agree with you. You're right. And also don't write a flowery thing on your press release saying, I was a perfectly executed kick that sailed 30 yards. A, it didn't sail. B, it wasn't perfectly executed. Just say, call it for what it is. If she's gonna win that, just say, she broke, she broke them. And I, I write all day. And a lot of what I write isn't necessarily fun because I'm trying to sort of like be very neutral. When I'm, when I'm passionate, it's far, as you can tell, it's almost by the inflection of my voice, it's far more fun. But I write a lot of neutral shit all day. Don't do. Don't make it even worse than it is. Because what what is that? What happens with that? People pounce on it, and they should. Because mm-hmm. that was pandering. Doesn't do her any favors. And so what? Ha- and it. So Sarah herself, I have to openly question because you probably also saw the interviews that came out, and she didn't do herself anything. Yeah, I-
1: I can be honest. I did not see any of the interviews. Okay,
0: all right. So she did a couple afterwards, and this is sort of what uh, would just it, it really. She really screwed up, in my opinion, and and you can tell me if you think I'm wrong here. So she was interviewed by Holly Rowe at ESPN, and I think you and I both talked about her in the past. Uh, someone who we really yeah. like. And yep. actually, I love Holly. I think she's fantastic. Part of the interview, so part of the interview and that sort of came out with that, she got to do a halftime speech. Did, did you know about that? No, I didn't see that. Okay. So she did a halftime. She told Holly that she did a halftime speech, uh, which is a weird because like, why would the coach have her do it? Because it wasn't that she sat up and said, I'm going to do it. Apparently, they asked her to. I don't know why that would even happen because, A, you're a kicker. B, you just got there. Right. You're now putting her in this weird position. No, she actually did that and said how, you know, like, here's how we win in women's soccer. You know, like, we just really motivate each other and stuff like that. And if you're the Vanderbilt football player right now, you're just pissed off because right now your team stinks. And you're just being lectured by someone who hasn't even kicked, who hasn't even played yet. She did this at halftime. Her kick was in the second half. Right. Uh, I don't know about yourself. Uh, I don't know if you bounce from company to company. We don't. It's funny. Like, we talk all the time, but I, I don't know about your, your actual work history. I don't think you know much about mine. Your work? Not anymore. (laughs) Not anymore. This is it. Well done, by the way. But I've been the new guy in the sales team. I've been sort of the veteran in the sales team. When you're the rookie, you shut your mouth in, in group situations. You learn. You try and figure out what the culture is. Now, Sarah was put in a position where she didn't know any better. And another thing I'll just sort of, like, have people sort of look at is Pat McAfee, uh, who's got a great podcast, too. Mm-hmm. You know, a former And he po- always tells it like it is. Po- yes. And so, like, so he was being asked about that. And so, like, he just came out and sort of, like, said that. He said, I wouldn't have had the balls at any point in my career to even do that. And I was a former captain. Now, he was being very, very diplomatic and very, very pc and he's also the one who sort of like broke down the whole situation, that her punt, her that her kick was fine. We can't call it great. We can't call it good. We can call it fine. We don't know what her skill uh-huh. level is. I, I have no, I have no clue. Right. In terms of football, neither does she. Because also she, she didn't she never played football, and which is sort of like where I'm going to segue into a bunch of other stuff to later. So. We have someone here who went out there and said that this. Is, we know that she did the speech because she told Holly Rowe this, and then so a she called out her teammates, and because she also was like in that whole in that whole chat, she said she was getting pissed off because they weren't celebrating first downs. She's like, that's not how, that's their winning culture. That's what we did when we played when we wanted all in women's soccer. All right, so now you've got someone, forget that she's female. Let's forget that. You've got someone who just got there telling you how to win? Am, am I wrong here, or is this like, like just shut up?
1: Again, yeah. I, I mean, I, I, I've been on teams before. I've rarely ever spoken up for anything. Um, and again, it's weird for a kicker and weird for everything else. But uh, so she screwed yeah, up I, twice. I understand I I where you're coming from. Yeah. So it was two um, epic screw ups. She was asked to speak. She was asked to speak by the coach. She did, need, she gave her perspective. Perspective. Right. Whether she said, "No, we're not fine." No, uh,
0: and I give her that. She 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 didn't know any better. But then she goes out there, call and tells pretty much everyone how she called out her teammates. And she just said that coaches came up to her afterward and said, that was so great. I wish we could have said that. So is there any wonder, Evan, is there any wonder at this point that Vanderbilt will not be playing this week and they say due to COVID, but also a few people opted out. According to rivals.com or someone there that they said that there was a bit of a mutiny. Now, whether this is true or not, I don't know. But I know that if you're a Vanderbilt player right now, I wouldn't want to play with her. Forget her gender. That's irrelevant uh, to me.
1: All right. So if you don't want to play with her and opt out and quit on your team, you're an asshole. Maybe. But, I mean, if you're going you quit, through if, tr- if you quit If you quit on your team... Because somebody, the coach who's no longer there, asked someone to make a speech, and they made a speech, and you quit on your team, you think she's the problem? I do. That's bullshit, dude. I'm sorry. I'm 100% against you on that. Okay, Anyone who's quitting on the team because that girl made a speech deserves to be thrown off the team and not welcome back. Okay. You but it's, don't quit on your teammates because somebody
0: made a speech. It's not. It's not just that. They don't want, they don't. If you're going to go through the trenches and have, and it doesn't matter what you do, all attention is on, on someone who, also too, and also repost things. She never mentioned her teammates once, not once. All right, you're you're I'm I'm I'm,
1: I'm, I'm, I'm letting you go on in this. I think this is you're you're going off the deep end a bit on this. Maybe one.
0: that's why I wanted your perspective. But, I'm okay with that.
1: Yeah, I. So, that last part, I'm going to reiterate that. If you quit on your team because someone made a speech, a coach asked someone to do something, and they did what they, the coach asked them to do, and mm-hmm. you didn't like it, and you quit on the team because that coach told someone to do something and they did it, screw you. Maybe. Get the fuck off my team. I'm sorry. And whether or not she handled it well, she's in a position in which... She has absolutely no history of doing things. You already gave her a pass on the kick. Sure. Why are you not giving her a
0: pass on the media stuff? I am giving her a pass she on the media stuff. You literally has never... been. You are not giving her a pass. I am too. You're- no, you're not. Yes, I am. You're basically
1: blaming her for everything. Saying that she never mentioned her teammates, that she mentioned that she called them out in the thing. Like... She doesn't know what the hell she's going to do. And clearly, she had a coach who wasn't in charge of stuff who would have just told her to rein it in or talk to the team. But he was fired beforehand anyway,
0: before He's they had anything duck. to do with it. Yeah.
1: I'm sorry. I'm I, like, this is just the media reaction is fine. I mean, I I'm not putting anything on anything extra on this person who has called an extraordinary circumstance, has no training in it, has never dealt with media before, and didn't do a good job at it. Gary Bettman's been bad at the media for 30 years.
0: <laughs> Fair enough.
1: So I'm, I'm not, I'm not, I'm, you've lost me at this point.
0: Well, well, it won't be the first time. Yeah. So
1: no, and again, and if anyone quit on that team, I have no idea. You just told, this is my gut reaction. Well, I don't know but that if I ever had it. I don't know that they did, but if I ever had it, well, and I don't either. So I'm saying that if, if in the case that that report that you just mentioned is true, those guys should never, ever, ever play a competitive sport ever again.
0: Well, a lot of them probably won't. Well,
1: they could play, I don't know, recreational football
0: somewhere. I suppose so. Like, All right, but, so I got a second half to this since we're in disagreement on this no one. Boy. Well, no, no, I, th- I, okay. I think you're going to like this. Okay. I do. This is my, this is my redeemer part in your eyes. Okay. All right. Okay. What I want the media to do is focus on two other women.
1: Okay.
0: Katie Nida, who twenty years before was the first player. Katie Nida, H N I D A. (laughs) Yeah. All right. Oh, okay. So, Because she kicked for uh, Colorado and New Mexico. Now, uh, New Mexico, the first one to do it for a bowl game. In New Mexico, obviously, if they're in a bowl game, they're a lot bigger deal than, than Vanderbilt right now. Right. Uh, so uh, her I was aware of. What I wasn't aware of was during her time in Colorado, and this is disgusting, she was raped by a teammate, according to her.
1: Yeah, that, that, that I do I, As soon as you said her name, I didn't hear it right the first time. Okay. I did remember that part of it because there's a whole huge scandal about that.
0: Yeah, I, I see, I wasn't aware of that. I, I, I had no idea. So I watched her TED Talk this week. And the fact that this happened to her at Colorado, uh, the university that she dreamed of playing for, walked on, did so. And she did everything. Uh, you know, she played her high school football. She was able to sort of – I don't think she ever actually played for Colorado, but she was able – she was dressed – she was dressed to play. Now, she goes through this traumatic experience in Colorado, and then goes and then goes to New Mexico, and then continues at her dream. That's my hero. Yeah, fine. And I, I think that's awesome. And again, I'm not taking anything away from what Sarah did. It's it is impressive. No, no,
1: no, I. I I understand because you're right. I couldn't remember her name until you brought it up. Yeah, but it's like I thought I remembered someone that the she was like what two thousand eight, two thousand nine, somewhere in that area, which is kicking. What's that? When was, when did Katie Knight kick?
0: Oh, like, it was like two thousand.
1: Oh, was that part? Was that long ago? Oh, my God, I'm getting older. yeah. So
0: I mean, like uh, um, yeah, okay. it's like 2000, 2001, one, two thousand two. I forget we were like around that time. So she'd she'd be like uh, in her early forties now. So. this this, to me for someone to gone through that I wouldn't have had it in me to keep going but she did Mm
1: -hmm. she Mm -hmm. did
0: and you know that that's outstanding and and so impressive and for me inspirational so like that also I think shows how far we've sort of come I don't think anything like that would have happened to to Sarah, and I don't want that to, but it's a different I, culture. I disagree with that. What? That, that it could happen right now? That's I think it's a hell of a lot less oh, likely. it could happen right now. Okay. Uh, okay, maybe I'm being naive, and I want to be naive here. You're you're being naive. Okay, let me be naive, because I, I don't want to, I'm trying to be Canadian and see the good in everyone here. As opposed to being sort of like ten minutes ago, I might I might have been an asshole. Maybe I'm trying to redeem. Mi- it. Mi- Mi-
1: Michigan Michigan State had a member of their training staff that was True. sexually assaulting people for years, and my and yeah. knew about it and yeah. was had essentially no consequence. There's uh, still people okay. defending Joe Paterno at Penn State. True, the guy who covered up for the guy at Ohio State is still in Congress.
0: Like, okay, so it's a lot less likely. You have like learned rape. anything as a society? Mm. I'd like to think it's a lot less likely. Brooke Turner oh, yeah. raped, to, raped someone in an alley.
1: Had the guys who rescued that girl beat the crap out of him and were crying so badly at seeing her situation, and he got six months probation because he didn't want to ruin his life. There's no consequences for anything, so don't tell me that it wouldn't happen now. It 100 percent would happen now, I'm, and only would happen now. Probably, it would probably be covered up just like everything else.
0: I'd like to think we've evolved past that in some cases. I uh, you. Oh, let, let me put on me these I, rose-colored I, I, glasses for a for a minute. Okay, fine. Go ahead. All right, and and I'm probably wrong. I just don't want to be. I got a second woman for everyone to sort of like love who should have got way more press. Kim Ng. The new general manager for the Marlins. Right, yes. Past assistant general manager for the Yankees, for the Dodgers, worked for the American League. Nothing was handed to her. And I'm not saying something, something was handed to to Sarah. I mean, she fell into it. But this is these are two women right now who are someone who I think should, you can really look up to. Again, again I don't know what Sarah's going to become. I have no idea. But these are two people who I think should have gotten a way more press, way more attention. And if I can just now, sort of like Kim, use my – Kimming hmm? Kim
1: had a lot of attention though when she got named – because Kimming should have been a general
0: manager not by the mainstream press a decade ago. not by the mainstream press the no. sporting press yes but by the mainstream media no nothing
1: that, i i disagree i saw a lot of stuff All on right, kimming well, in the
0: mainstream press maybe to me it wasn't enough
1: okay that's fair enough that's a big deal cuz not only is she is she a woman she's also the first, first asian, asian general manager yes yes uh, so there was, there was a whole bunch of stuff on that. I, I remember actually when she got hired reading a USA Today article, which is essentially the litmus test as to whether the mainstream press covered something or not. If it makes USA Today, then it's been covered by right. most people.
0: And I, I, I'm in so. Barbados. I don't see as much. Maybe I just wanted to see more. And that could be my own personal bias, which we all have. Right. Is
1: no, it? but I agree. No, she... She's been a leading candidate for a general managership for at least not a whole decade, at least half a decade. So, I mean, she's 51. She probably should have, if she were a guy, she probably would have had this job at least in her mid-40s. I'd agree. Or she would have had
0: a job. I, 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 I'd agree with that. So I'm not, so now I'm not a sexist anymore, I hope. I don't know. No, you weren't sexist. You weren't sexist at all. It was just,
1: you're, 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 well, no, you weren't, you weren't tested at all. It was just though the standard you're trying to keep for a complete amateur attempting something uh, for the first time as a pseudo and expecting to handle as a pseudo professional. Like, should she have made a different decision? Should she have told the coach, no, when we asked her to address the team? Probably. But it's her first time. And he wanted, he may have just been like, hey, I want your perspective as someone who's won in it for, you know, something else. We've never won. Can you speak? Should she have handled it better with the uh, a and National Press? Probably, but she's never been there before. No, I can not... tell you, I came up—I came up an escalator in Washington D.C. and a reporter for uh, for NBC station in Washington D.C. My wife and I were together, asked a question. My wife is notoriously shy compared to me. Um, most people are notoriously shy compared to me, but my wife is super shy compared to me. And she asked a question, and I talked for like. I don't know, a minute and a half, two minutes probably, and my wife just said, what he means is this, and said like ten words. And the ten words my wife said ended up on the news, and <laughs> everything I said was completely completely uh, cut out. Uh, my friend Adam, who is, c- calling back to Tufts, uh, he is an economics professor at Tufts. I actually, he's married to anthropology professor, I actually was, was officiated at a wedding. The only Jewish wedding I've ever been to, and I was he officiant? Um my friend Adam was the eight plus student of the week for new center five in Boston when we were kids and Adam needed two friends to come in and do an interview. And, uh, I was up there and I, uh, my buddy Ryan was there too, cause I dragged him along. And, uh, the reporter, the late Kirby Perkins was asking all these questions and Ryan wasn't saying anything. And I was answering all the questions. And then at the end they said, Ryan, don't you have anything to say? He's like, well, Adam's always been the smartest kid in the class. And that was the only thing out of the entire interview they used for the, the thing. So as someone who has been in front of the press a couple of times and completely fallen on my face, I completely understand not handling it well uh, and, and, and rambling and not saying what you're supposed to say and everything like that. She's not a polished person, and I just think it's, it's crazy to expect her to be so.
0: I'm not, but I wonder what they know that we don't. And maybe I'm wrong. Or maybe it's just a lot of this young kid, young male ego. It could be that. No idea. All I know is I know nothing from what they're saying because no one's talking to them. And all their Twitters are silent. Okay. Don't know. Don't have a clue. Okay. Can I close off it's with my Jewish it's, wedding it's tr- story? It, it,
1: it, it, it's, it's probably better for them to be remain silent and say oh, something totally. than regret. No,
0: later, so. I, I, I'd agree with that. I, I, I have a, I'm going to close with a Jewish wedding story. Oh, please do. All
1: right. I mean, we have not,
0: of all the topics we've gotten
1: to before, Jewish wedding stories is not something we've come up with. So this is a great way to end. All
0: right. So I've been, I went to one. My ex-wife dragged me to one. I was so pissed off because it was on a Sunday during the football season. I didn't want to go. I didn't even know this person. So you know that part where they're sort of like doing the, they, they put the bride and the groom on the chair? Yep, and raise that up. Yeah, apparently when the when the bride's really fat, they fall off. Oh, jeez! And they did, <laughs> and I laughed, and I got hit because she's like shouldn't be laughing at that because I was the only one to laugh. It, it was kind of funny. And the Saints were playing, and I kept sneaking away to see to check the score. They were playing the Jets, and that was the game where Kyle Turley ripped the guy's uh, helmet off.
1: Oh yes, the. Uh the, the uh, very level-headed Kyle
0: Turley. Who I actually interviewed for this site, by the way, a long time ago. Oh, right. Wow. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. So, yeah, that, that's pretty much that. And also, so there you go. So don't laugh around your ex-wife at a fat Jewish woman falling from chairs that people couldn't hold when they were trying to lift it up and down. Apparently it's not good. All
1: right. With with that, I think we should probably end it because I don't even know where to go
0: from here. (laughs) Nice. (laughs) All right, cool. Stay safe, Evan. Thank you all for listening. Look for a lot more content regularly from us at nonhallofame.com. And with that, stay safe, everyone. 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 Be safe, everyone.